Always good to see the saints worshiping together. I'd like to remind those who are here with us at Calvary Lake Villa. If you're here, we have the new issue of the Calvary Magazine. It's the highlight in the bulletin. And the title of the magazine caught my attention right away, Raising Up the Next Generation. I've often said that over the last couple of years. My desire is to raise up the next generation of worshipers, uh, realizing that my time is limited here on this earth now, and it's time to prepare the next generation of worshipers. And so a, a magazine dedicated to that theme, free, they're available in the, maybe on the back table here in the sanctuary, but definitely in the lobby up on the wall. We also, I noticed that uh, there were only, I guess this is number four, there were only three books in the book room with David Fiorazzo's Canceling Christianity. So very good. People are picking up their copies of that book. It is a, it's a tough read, but it's an honest read of what is going on in our world and going on in the church as well. And sadly, the compromise that we find within the church today, which is very dangerous when we compromise our faith. Anyways, David Fiorazzo and his new book, Canceling Christianity, I believe the cost $11. It's in your bulletin there, and that's our cost. So we're just passing on what it cost us to get the books here, and I would encourage you to not only get it, but read it. Sometimes we pick up books and it's like, oh yeah, I think I have that somewhere. But it does better if you read it. I was listening to David on his uh, podcast this week. He had some tremendous podcasts this week. Friday's was just, if you're a a fan of uh, Spurgeon, uh, he had an author on there that had just written his second book on Spurgeon's wife, Susie Spurgeon and the great ministry that she had supporting her husband. But talking a lot about Spurgeon and his wife, the difficulties that they had health-wise, but their great marriage, the love that they had for one another. It was a very encouraging listen. On Monday and Tuesday, uh, someone sneaked off some information, a whistleblower maybe. So David Fiorazzo, he's broadcasting up near Green Bay, Wisconsin, And uh, somebody from Lake County sent him the 10-page document that the health department has put together for the compassionate care people who's going to come knocking on our doors asking about COVID vaccines. And so David read a little bit of uh, what they would be doing. Um, That has been, I got an email from someone else talking about it yesterday, and even an email from the health department and kind of defending their position, what they're doing. But anyways, Lake County, Illinois, making a national broadcast, this podcast with David Fiorazzo. And uh, to a county coming to you, sadly, to our county, the one we live in. So I would encourage you, um, again, I'll say it, last Friday's broadcast, not this past, but the one before that, he had the founder of every Black Lives Matter, and that was an excellent broadcast. We put it on the radio this past Friday here, and people need to hear truth, and that's 
what we're desiring to give truth through the word of God. Workday coming up next Saturday on the 24th. We've kind of uh, Sunday school rooms have classrooms have been uh, closed for almost a year with COVID. We've been meeting together with our children in the sanctuary and our, our kids. We have been preparing for this because every summer we've been for the last several years giving our teachers time off and the kids have been upstairs with us and they have grown accustomed to it now for the past year plus. But uh, we want to begin to prepare for Sunday school this fall. So cleaning up around the church, getting ready for family camp. And there's stuff to do. There's a lot of stuff to do. So if you'd like to come out and help, beginning at 8, I'm being kind. I was a tradesman, a construction worker. We started early. So that's my, it's late, but it's good for other people maybe. But it's definitely a late start for me. Um, Let's get here, get it done, and be done with it. Next Saturday coming up, uh, it was pointed out to me the dates for the family camp in the bulletin. They're wrong. Just know the first full weekend of August, and we'll be having family camp. All right. I think I got through all the announcements. Also, I'd like to mention, if you'd like to support our ministry, you can do so at cclv.org forward slash donate. There on our church's website, cclv.org forward slash donate is a way that you can support our ministry. Uh, Last week, I was blessed to read a little note from a radio listener that uh, gave a gift to our church, and they've attended a couple of times, but for the most part, still listening to the radio. Well, this week, Saturday, yesterday, it, it worked. I don't know why. And Bob was like, what'd you do? I said, I don't know. I clicked and it worked. But we're actually streaming online right now. We're streaming and we'll be working out the details on that, getting public announcements out on that, um, having apps built that you can just download the app for WLGS and listen to our radio ministry wherever you're at. As long as you're hooked up to Wi-Fi, it will work. And uh, as long as the Wi-Fi or the your method is good. I tried driving all the way from here, six minutes from here to my house. And when I got in my neighborhood, it got a little glitchy, but that's probably my service that I'm using. But uh, kind of cool. We're excited about that. It took a bit just working out some details, but we just have a few more things and uh, we'll be able to make that public and uh, see what God does with it. Just another way that our church can reach out here in our community, but beyond. And David, did you have something you wanted to say? Uh, Oh, there is a meeting. It's not in the bulletin. Nobody told the bulletin writer about that. But uh, that would be me. I knew about this meeting. Um, After church today, we're going to talk about family camp. We are in crunch time, a couple of weeks away. So after church, family camp meeting, all who are attending are involved. That's how it is. If you're coming, you're involved. That's how it is. I want to go ahead and pray for the offertory and thank God for the blessings that he has given this fellowship. So we thank you, Father, for those who are here and support this ministry and Lord, for new friends of our ministry that they can't even attend live 
at a service, and yet they, over the last year plus, have begun to support our ministry. It has meant so much to us. It has, Lord, enabled us to be able to stream our radio ministry. For us, it's a step of faith, but uh, when the support is behind you, it, it makes it so much easier to take those steps. So, Lord, we thank you for the provision that you have given this place. And I pray, Lord, that we would use these gifts, these offerings for your glory. And we pray, Father, for this service today, Lord, as we go through your word. I ask, Father, that you would help us as we study from the book of Revelation. Lord, it's a book that a lot of people shy away from within the church. Uh, some people see it as an allegory. Some people see it as everything written in the book of Revelation already have coming to pass. And Lord, we view it here as yet still to come. So Father, I pray that you would be with us as we study your word, as we look into scripture. This day we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I said last week, and, and I'll just continue to remind you of this as we go through the book of Revelation. I'm taking this from a a literal view, as I do all scripture. And now it could be literally we're looking at glimpses of the past, of history. Much of scripture is. We look at the Gospels. We're looking at uh, largely the telling of Jesus coming to the earth the first time. But even in that, Jesus told of things that were or are to come. When he testified, as we read in the pages of the Gospels, we look at the book of Acts, we look at the epistles, we find that much of this is telling of the history of the church, the beginnings, the first century church, but in the epistles itself, it gives us glimpse of things to come. And we, especially in uh, Corinthians and the book of First and Second Thessalonians, we find that the talking about future things, Romans. We'll read a passage from Romans today that talks about an event that is still yet to come regarding the nation of Israel. And we come to the book of Revelation. That's how I view this as we take it literally. What is the Lord telling us, his church today? And he's talking about future things with John as John, when he was banished to the Isle of Patmos for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the testimony of Jesus Christ, John was a faithful witness. Tradition says that they tried to kill him by putting him in a cauldron of boiling oil, and yet he did not die. I don't know what John looked like as he came out, if he was totally protected like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace where they came out and their clothes, and the Bible tells us they didn't even smell of smoke. Uh, tradition is kind of silent on the condition of John other than he survived. And once he survived, he was banished to a prison island in the Mediterranean, much like our Alcatraz that we used to have off the west coast of San Francisco. And John was banished there, but the Lord banished him there and he received this revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ that John is given. In chapter 4, John is caught up into heaven. And so he's describing to us some of the scenes of the heavenly throne room. And one of the events that we looked at 
in chapter 5 is the Lamb, Jesus Christ, taking the scroll, the seven-sealed scroll, from the hand of his Father, God, who sits on the throne, and to begin to open the seals of the scroll. He opened six seals. We looked at those openings in chapter 6 last week. And we learned as Jesus opened six of the seven seals that it brought about great calamity on the earth. In chapter 6, it tells us that a quarter of the earth died in the process of these prophecies being fulfilled. And that there were the four riders of the apocalypse, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, even those who are not familiar with Bible and the church, they have heard of the four riders of the apocalypse. They don't know that it came from the word of God, but we learned about those four riders on, upon the breaking of the four seals, bringing forth the white horse and his rider. The white horse and his rider went out to conquer and conquering. The red horse and his rider brings war upon the earth. The black horse and his rider brings famine. And the pale horse and his rider causes unbelievable death, a quarter of the earth dying. And I just looked at statistically the population of the earth today is 7.9 billion. That's a clock that is ticking up rather fast. So we're very close to 8 billion people on the earth. And even if we just take that number, that means 2 billion people wiped out. And last week I mentioned that the population of China and then also the population of India, both are at 1.4 billion people each. So you combine them, that's uh, 2.8 billion people just in those two nations alone. The United States is much smaller, but we're growing rapidly with open borders. That's another issue. But uh, we have about 400 million plus people here in the United States. But just imagine, that would be like wiping out all of China and all of the United States and still some people to spare. Imagine the calamity that would come upon those who remained. Upon the opening of the fifth seal, John saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. These that John saw underneath the throne are the tribulation martyrs or the tribulation saints. And they were crying out to the Lord, How long, Lord, until you kind of bring vengeance upon our, our cause of our death? And the Lord said, Wait, your number is not yet complete. We're going to meet these saints once again in chapter Seven, And then we find in the opening of the sixth seal that there would be a great shaking upon the earth and in the heavens. And this shaking will be so devastating that no class of person. And they named, and I don't have those in my notes since in chapter six, but they named seven classes of people, kind of telling us that no class of person will be exempt from this judgment of the opening of the sixth seal. They will actually hide in the mountains, in the caves. I said last week we're in trouble here in Illinois. I know of one cave that's not too far away from us. It's about two hours up called the Cave of the Mountains in Wisconsin. It's a pretty small cave. So I, don't, I can't see our whole population trying to crowd into that cave system because Smurfs could live there, but not people. It's pretty small. 
but no class of person will escape the judgment of God. This is true to this day. People think they will. People think that they'll confront God when they stand before him. It will not be. So we get into chapter 7. We get into this reprieve. It's as if the Lord needed to, for us, to take a break from that which is about to come, the opening of the seventh seal, which will feed into the opening of the seven bold judgments. And so we take a break in chapter 7. It's as if the Lord said, John, what's happening on the earth is bad, but I want you to see what's taking place on the earth and in heaven at this time, before the opening of the seventh seal. And so today we're going to see a message that I entitled The 144,000 and a Great Multitude. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 7. And I'll just read through the passage as we go in the teaching. But let me just ask God to bless the teaching of his word and we'll get into it here. So Father, we ask that you would bless the teaching of your word this day. Speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to gain understanding. The book of Revelation, Lord, for many, it's a book that they have avoided. They've perhaps never read, or if they have read it, they've read it and said, I don't get it. So, Lord, we're looking for clarity, and I know in some areas, Lord, we will be like Paul, who declared in his own day, he said, right now we look as if in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And Lord, I know as we look into your holy word that some of these things will be as a cloudy mirror. We won't have clarity as of yet. But as time goes on, we gain clarity and gain understanding. And Lord, I believe in these last days, the vision is getting clearer. And so help us, Lord. We pray as we read through your text this day and learn from you that we may be able to apply it to our lives. In the day and age we live, we pray. Amen. I believe it's getting clear. As we look at the book of Revelation and where we get into chapter 13, and they'll talk about everyone having to take a mark to buy or sell. A hundred years ago, can you imagine what people would think? They have to take a mark to either buy or sell. What would that mark look like? Do you even have a difficulty imagining what a mark could look like today or how it could play out? I mean, we carry our devices everywhere we go. Here in the United States, we tell people, we say we like our freedom, we like our liberty, we won't, don't want Big Brother watching us. And then we grab our iPad and our iPhone and we go everywhere. They're watching you all the time. It's just a given today, and we carry the devices. We allow it to happen. It's not as hard for us to see. We are, I believe, getting clarity on these things. And one of the things that has been difficult is the placing of the 144,000. I don't think it's been difficult for the true church, but there have been some cults who try to read themselves into Revelation chapter 7. And we find Revelation chapter 7, if we just look at it literally, we find the Lord is showing John two groups of believers. The children of Israel that will have the seal of God upon their forehead. 
and those who are not of the nation of Israel, who come from every tribe, tongue, and nation, who also will be part of this scene as we find here in Revelation chapter 7. So we begin with the 144,000 and the tribulation martyrs from the nation of Israel, verses 1 through 8. And we begin in reading verses 1 through 4. After these things, uh, the two Greek words, metatauta, after these things, after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the winds should not blow on the earth and the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out aloud to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So four angels uh, described to us here, holding the four winds, the four corners of the earth. Can you imagine just the stilling of the winds, the effect that that could have upon the earth if we had no breeze, no wind, no movement whatsoever. All weather just stops. I remember when we lived out in California, we moved to California at the end of August, I believe, in 1992. So it was the end of August in 1992. We're living in Santa Ana, Costa Mesa area. And I did not see clear skies. I remember it vividly because in January of 1993, it rained and suddenly we could see Mount Baldy. Mount Baldy had always been there. It had been there for three, four months that we had lived there. It was there, but you couldn't see it because the smog was so thick and the clarity of snow-capped mountains. You just don't miss that image. And holding the winds, and that in California because of how the ocean breeze works and the mountain ridgeline works there, is that all that smog just builds up. It can't get over. It either needs to have a strong wind blow it up and over the mountains or rain to knock it down. Uh, Otherwise, it just sits there. Can you imagine the seas becoming flat? Surfers would just hate this, allowing pollution to remain on the surface. Uh, Even the air itself, just having that hang in the air. Remember when the Olympics was over in China? I believe it was the last Olympics. And they purposely talk about the Green New Deal and all that stuff that's going on and the conversations we have. But China wanted to clean up their air, and they are a big polluter in our world today. Before the Olympics, they wanted to clean it up, so they stopped manufacturing around that area And they could actually see the impact that it was having and how the air was getting better and improving when they just stopped that. Imagine the lingering effect of no winds, the trees, uh, just the natural process of the winds spreading their pollen. Uh, It would bring calamity upon itself just with the holding of the winds. It seems that there's got to be a release 
but the four angels at the four corners of the earth. Now, there are some who said, ah, see the Bible, it doesn't know. Revelation 7.1, it's teaching flat earth. It's not teaching flat earth, but there are some who accuse Revelation chapter 1 as teaching flat earth because it reads the four angels at the four corners of the earth. Now, if today I would say that there are four directions on the face of the earth, you would be able to call out those four directions, right? There's four, right? Four basic directions. We know them as north, south, east, and west. We understand that there's... The earth isn't flat. Even the Bible understood that the earth isn't flat. Christopher Columbus, can I say that today? Christopher Columbus, in 1492, when he sailed the ocean blue, I learned that in school. They don't teach that in school anymore. This I didn't learn in school. One of the reasons he believed that the earth was round was partly because of the reading of the word of God. And also because of the writings of Marco Polo and Pere Diali. He was a priest. But from the word of God, we find passages of scripture like Isaiah 40, verse 22, that talks about God who sits above the circle of the earth. The compass, the King James would say, the circle of the earth. Or how about Proverbs 8:27 that says, when he, God, drew a circle on the face of the deep. A circle on the face of the deep. Or Job 26, 7, when once again God drew a circular horizon on the face of the waters. Have you ever been in an ocean setting where you can see that circular horizon? You can see the bend, the curve of the earth. We, when we visit our children out in Hawaii, we get to see that we don't even have to go in the water. We can just look off the island, and you can see it. They say, I forget, that the human eye can see some seven miles before it kind of fades, or maybe 12 miles, something like that. But uh, there's a distance, and in that distance that you can see the horizon, you can see the curve of the earth. The Bible wrote about that. Even though the Bible is not a book of science, and here's a condemnation that often that they put and place upon the Bible is like, see, that's not scientific evidence, angels holding the four corners of the earth. Well, we talk about, there was a, Drew could probably say, that, tell us this, but the Marines, I remember commercials advertising that they're on the four points of the earth. Our government must believe then that the earth is flat and that they sent the Marines out on the flat earth, because they talked about the Marines being at the four quarters of the earth, but that we understand doesn't mean that the earth is flat. Even though the Bible is not a scientific book, it does reveal scientific truths for those who are willing to look into the pages of Scripture. In verses 2 and 3, we find the fifth angel enters from the east. Because he comes from the east, some have said that this is possibly Jesus Christ. I can't read that into the text. But what this angel does as he comes from the east with the seal of God upon his forehead, he tells, commands the four angels who are holding back the winds to wait until the servants of God are sealed on their foreheads. 
And who are the servants of God? And what is the seal that they receive upon their forehead? Well, all we have to do is keep reading. And this is revealed to us. As regarding the servants of God, verses 4 through 8, he says, And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Natali, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zubalan, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. So just reading the word of God, who are the 144,000? Who are the 144,000 servants of God? Well, according to the word of God, they are from the tribes of Israel. Israel, the children of Israel, the descendants of Abraham. Now, when we try to spiritualize this passage, there are those within the church and cults outside of the church who have tried to say, we're the 144,000. The Jehovah's Witness have done this, as well as the historic Mormonism, Ellen G. White and the Seventh-day Adventists, Ted Garner Armstrong and the Worldwide Church of God, all claiming to be the 144,000. They have written themselves into the scripture, saying, John was talking about us. When you spiritualize scripture, when you try to make it say something that it never intended to say, you usually run into trouble. This happened for the founder of the Jehovah's Witness, Charles Taz Russell, when he, at the beginning of his cult, it's not a church, it's a cult, At the beginning of that cult, he said that we are the literal 144,000 of Revelation chapter 7 and chapter 14. The Bible is talking about us. And then there was a point to where they outgrew membership of 144,000. So what do you do? We're more than 144,000. Well, then you have to rewrite and you say, well, the 144,000 are those who are going to rule and reign in Christ in heaven, and the uh, remaining are those who are going to rebuild the earth after Armageddon. But for the 144,000, again, they had to rewrite. They hit their number. They actually, I don't know if it's a certificate or what, they named the people. You're part of the 144,000. And then there are some who have been in the Jehovah's Witness cult, and they've come to the truth of Jesus Christ And they stepped out and they said, I was part of the 144,000 according to Jehovah's Witness, but that was a lie. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior now. So there was even a book written once that said 144,000 minus one. As one stepped out and talked about the Jehovah's Witness. So now they say, let me read what they say. This is from them. The Bible indicates that 144,000 people will be resurrected into heavenly life. God selected a limited number of faithful Christians, 
They're not Christians. It's a cult, but that's what they say. I'm reading from JW.org. I don't suggest that you read there unless you need fuel (laughs) for a message or to talk to Jehovah's Witness. If you want fuel, go to their site, learn about them. God selected a limited number of faithful Christians who, after their death, will be resurrected to heavenly life. Once they have been chosen, they must continue to maintain a Christian standard of faith and conduct in order to not be disqualified from receiving their heavenly blessings. You have to maintain works for salvation or Jesus is going to kick you out. They didn't say that. I threw that one in there. (laughs) It's best to take scripture literally. We can't divorce the children of Israel from the Bible because according to God's word, the Lord is going to do a work in the nation of Israel once again. Romans 11 verses 25 through 29 tells us, Paul writing, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so it will be that all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are the beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable God doesn't make a promise and take it back God doesn't say welcome to heaven oops I found something in your notes kick you're out down to earth you don't get to come these saints of God here are 144,000 from 12 tribes of the nation of Israel we need to remember that God always has his elect upon the earth When Elijah cried out to the Lord, saying, I am the only one. I'm the only one left. The Lord said in 1 Kings 19, 18, Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth who has not kissed him. A great prophet of God thought that he was the last man standing. And the Lord said, Nope, got 7,000 more. I haven't introduced them to you, but I know who they are. God always has his elect. Moreover, this list we find here in Revelation chapter 7, it is unique in all of the Bible. Normally, when we read through the 12 tribes of Israel, the tribe of Levi is not listed. They're excluded because they did not receive land inheritance in the promised land. And also, we normally don't read of Joseph being on the list as his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, Manasseh on this list, but Ephraim not on the list. Levi on the list, but the tribe of Dan not on the list. Joshua 14, 3 through 5 tells us, But to the Levites, I will give no inheritance among you, for the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. And they gave no part to the Levites in the land except cities to dwell in and the common lands for their livestock and property. And the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. So normally 
The tribe of Levi is not listed. The tribe of Levi is listed here in Revelation chapter 7. Normally, Joseph is not listed among the tribes. His sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, are listed, but Joseph is listed here. Two tribes have been excluded. Here's a possible reason why. The tribe of Dan and the tribe of Ephraim are excluded from this list. In Deuteronomy 29, verses 20 and 21, it says, The Lord would not spare him, for when the anger of the Lord and his jealousy would burn against that man, every curse that is written in the book would settle on him, and the Lord would blot out his name from under heaven. The Lord would separate him from all the tribes of Israel for adversity, according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in the book of the law. And it appears that God separated the tribes of Ephraim and Dan. A possibility of why this separation took place is because when Israel divided into two separate nations, the nation of Judah to the south and the nation of Israel to the north, King Jeroboam set up two false temples, two altars. Lily and I have sat on the steps of the ruins of the altar that's found where the tribe of Dan was. We sat on those steps as they have uncovered those today. The other was placed in Bethel. So one in the north, false gods who worship in the north, golden calf. Jeroboam said, here are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. He made two golden calves. He put one in the north in the tribe of Dan. He put one in the south in the area of Bethel. Bethel is in the area of the tribe of Ephraim. So it could be that false worship first entered into Israel in these two tribes, and therefore they are excluded from this list. It doesn't mean that God is finished with them. When God sets up his millennial kingdom, according to Ezekiel chapter 48, verses 1 through 8, both Dan and Ephraim will be part of that number. In fact, I believe the tribe of Dan is mentioned first. They're part of it. What it does mean, I've set them apart for adversity. What it does mean that they will not have the seal of God upon their forehead. What it does mean that they'll make it through the uh, great tribulation, but it's going to be difficult for them. As for the seal of God, this is pretty simple. In Revelation 14:1, John says, Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him the 144,000, having the seal of his Father's name written on their foreheads. So the Bible tells us, what is the seal? It is Jesus' Father's name written on the forehead of the 144,000. God knows how to differentiate and protect those who are chosen, the people of Israel. But also we find a second group, the tribulation saints, the martyrs, here from every nation of the world, verses 9 through 17. We first find a great multitude. Uh, Dave read this greatly earlier. I won't do as well, but here we go. After these things. I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all the nations, tribes, and people and tongues standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, 
crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In addition to the 144,000 of the tribe of Israel, God's grace comes upon a great multitude. Here it says that no one could number of all the nations and tribes and peoples and tongues. Though not from the children of Israel, they are standing before the throne, before the Lamb. They are clothed in white. They have palm branches in their hands. These are not the church. As John reveals later in this chapter, these are the tribulation saints. In John 11, verses 49 through 52, the high priest, though he was not truly the high priest, he was the son-in-law to the high priest, Caiaphas. He was actually uh, titled the high priest by the Romans. Uh, Jews don't care what the Romans say. Hey, he's going to be your high priest this year. Uh, they knew Aeneas was the true high priest. But Caiaphas, and John tells us, because he held the title, the office of the high priest, he spoke this prophecy. Caiaphas, acting as the high priest, John 11, verse 49 through 51, it says, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not for the whole nation, that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say in his own authority, but being the high priest that year prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And here, verse 52, this is what I wanted to get to. And not for that nation only, not for Israel only, but also that he would gather together one children of God who are scattered abroad from every nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. They're clothed with white robes. Speaks about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. As it says in 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Having palm branches in their hands, it symbolizes their worship before God and the worship of the Lamb. We find that the palm branches were seen on the day of the triumphal entry of Christ in John 12, verses 12 and 13. John said, on the next day, a great multitude who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Moreover, their cry is, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to God and to the Lamb and no other. In fact, in Acts 4.12 it tells us, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. Verse 11 and 12, it says, All the angels stood around the throne, the elders, the four living creatures. They fell on their faces before the throne. They worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So like in chapters 4 and 5, we find spontaneous worship breaking forth around the throne of God. This time, instead of the four living creatures or the 24 elders leading out in this worship session, the redeemed of the Lord from all the nations of the world 
begin singing praises unto God. I love that, that we can just break out in spontaneous worship. Around Calvary Chapels, for a number of years, we have, every once in a while, sang a song written by Holland Davis, Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let it rise. I only learned last year that Holland Davis said that he was in the middle of a worship set when he began singing those words. It was spontaneous worship that he just he wrote a song right there on the spot. And what a song the Lord gave him. There's another great song in Psalm 150, verses 1 through 6. It's the whole psalm there, that whole chapter. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the string instruments and the flutes. Praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him with the clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord Praise the Lord. This great reminder of the importance of our gathering together to worship as the body of Christ. It's through worshiping together that we can encourage one another in these last days. And sadly, with the onset of COVID last year, many have failed even since the lifting of the restrictions. Many have failed to return to church. I sent this out to you in an email this week to our church, and here's a paragraph that I sent out. I'm just reading a quote that was found in a survey. It says that more than 25% of people who attended regular services at least once a month before the novel coronavirus pandemic have no plans to return to their church, synagogue, or mosque in the next few weeks as lockdown restrictions continue to be lifted. According to the data in a recent AP uh, NORC poll, while the numbers of worshipers who plan to attend in-person worship service as lockdown restrictions continue to be lifted has increased to about 66% a year ago, LifeWay Research Director Scott McConnell said that it is a cause for concern for many churches. Here's the sad part that many churches did not survive the pandemic, leaving many people in limbo. Many churches closed their doors, and they have not yet reopened, or they cannot reopen. They just it shut them down. That's horrible. And just think about that. There are some people out there that no longer have a church that they used to call their church home, and that church possibly closed now, no longer have a church to go to. We need to... Uh, reach out to those. If we hear of them, encourage them to be part of a fellowship. Encourage them, if they're able, to be join us. Because like the worship sessions around the throne of God, our worship of Jesus helps to encourage us, our brothers and sisters, in these last days. When we worship together, we help to encourage one another. The body of Christ, we need to encourage the body of Christ to worship Jesus. We need one another. In verses 13 and 14, it says, Then one of the elders said, 
Who are these arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And John said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. John was a good student. The elder who came over to ask this question, who are these arrayed in white robes? Where did they come from? John says, I don't know. You know. I don't even want to guess this one. Might get it wrong. Sir, you know. These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation. Their robes being washed, made white in the blood of the Lamb. The tribulation saints, the martyrs found around the throne of God from every tribes, nations, tongues, and peoples. I mentioned last week that some unbelievers have said that they will come to faith in Jesus Christ during the tribulation. They're just waiting until the rapture of the church Several million, a billion people leave the earth because they're faithful followers of Jesus Christ. They'll realize that the Lord and what was written in Scripture must be true. But as I mentioned last week, if you're unable to live for Christ today, what makes you think you'll be able to live for Christ during the Great Tribulation? In fact, if COVID hasn't taught us anything else than this, that people are willing to forsake their freedoms when their lives are threatened by allowing even the businesses, schools, churches to close. Right now, we are in the age of grace. Right now, we are awaiting the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But during the great tribulation, the Lord will continue to do a work on this earth. But I want us to understand no matter the tribulation, no matter how great or small, nothing can keep us from the love of God. That's a promise from God's holy word. In Romans 8, verses 37 through 39, Paul says, Yet in all these things we are made more than conquerors in him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities or powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, no tribulation, no matter how small or great, is able to separate us from the love of Christ. And we close out verses 15 through 17. Therefore, there before the throne of God, these tribulation saints... This elder is telling John, therefore, they are before the throne of God to serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. And they shall neither hunger any more nor thirst. The sun shall not strike them nor heat. For the lamb who is in their midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We find the tribulation saints, they're a special class of believers, we might say. They're around the throne to serve the Lord day and night at this time. They were found faithful unto death. Much like the church of Smyrna in Revelation 2.10. Therefore, they are given a crown of life. They're the special class of believers that are 
before the throne. They're serving the Lord day and night. And it tells us, and I believe because of the way it's worded here from this elder, that no more will they hunger, no more will they thirst. The sun shall not strike them, nor heat. I believe that it meant that they hungered, that they did thirst, that the sun did strike them. They were overwhelmed with the heat. It appears that it is true. Global warming is coming. The Bible prophesied about it long ago. Though the sun's heat will cause them great suffering during the great tribulation, God promises no more. This is because the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains of water and God himself will wipe away their tears. What a beautiful picture we have of God's great love toward those who place their trust not only in God, but in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 10:11, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. In John 10:4, Jesus answered the woman at the well saying, if you knew the gift of God and he who says to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Those martyrs around the throne, they're going to drink from the fountains of living water. There's been that great hunt on this earth for the fountain of life. Here we find that the fountain of living water is in the heavenly realm. In John 7, 37 through 39, here's the thing. You don't have to wait until you get to heaven as believers in Jesus Christ. Jesus said on the last day of that great feast, he stood and he cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. In Revelation 21, 3 and 4, it tells us, and I heard a loud voice from heaven Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. This living water is available for each of us this day. For God's grace and mercy is ready to forgive because the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, cleanses us from all sin. Their robes were made white because they washed them in the blood of the Lamb. That is the same thing that we must do as the church of Jesus Christ today. We must come to the Lamb that we may be washed and made clean. It is only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we can be found righteous before God. Let's go ahead and stand together. As we close out here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, we have a church motto of believe, receive, grow, and go. And we've been running through this church motto, and I've um, I've watched the transition listening to it. We've just, uh, next week I believe, we'll conclude 2 Corinthians on our radio broadcast. 
And so I began First and Second Corinthians, began in 2020 in First Corinthians, finished it out early, Second uh, Corinthians early this year in 2021. And I, I discovered the progression of this reading of the church motto. It began with me just reading it for you. And I got tired of doing that. Because I know that if we actually read it together, we'll learn it. And that's what I want the most out of this, that we just get God's word into our hearts. But also understand in this the process of salvation and the importance of our growth in our faith and the importance of sharing Christ with others. So our first point, we say together, believe. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11:6. And the importance. We have to believe that God is. Talk to somebody on the street. Do you believe that there is a God? It's like, I don't know. I'm not sure. That's the starting place. We have to work from there. We have to believe that God is. But we also need to receive his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we say together, Romans 5:17, For if by one man's faith... So you guys do better than me. I'm glad. We have to receive Jesus Christ. It's not just enough to believe that there is a God. Many who may believe that there is a God believe that their good works will get them into heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ himself saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. We have to receive Christ into our hearts. And then we need to grow in our faith. And so we say together, 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. 2 Peter 3.18. And this is a part of growing, going through the Bible um, on Sunday mornings, but it's also reading the word for yourself, having devotions. I had a radio listener send me a, email I showed it to Lily this week and uh, apparently something I said at uh, 6 a.m. on the radio in the morning it was quotable by Pastor John because this radio listener put it in his devotional notes and he sent a picture of it to me it's like I made somebody's notes Um, wrote it out and then put my name signed it in there that it was from me that we grow in our faith and you know It's my job to help you grow, but that's all I can do is help. We each have to have that own initiative and desire and drive to grow in our faith. But it's not just about having the head knowledge. We have to be willing to go. And we say together, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. 
Matthew 28, 19 and 20. So I mentioned this earlier in the message. We have, I don't know what they call them, the Compassionate Care Troop from Lake County Health Department. They're going to become knocking door to door in Lake County. So let me encourage you this, church. You're going to have people coming to your doors. Can I encourage you to maybe even say, you know what, I'll answer your questions if you'll answer me this one thing. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior? Turn it on them. Be a witness for Jesus Christ. Don't get mad. They're coming. Take the opportunity. We may not like the fact that they're coming, but we can take the opportunity and at least share the gospel. And we can be like Jesus. They had a question that they asked Jesus at one time. And Jesus said, first answer this. And if you will answer my question, then I'll answer yours. And to the Pharisees, they were unwilling to answer Jesus' question. So Jesus said, I'm not going to answer your question then. So we can do the same thing. If they don't want to, no, we're not here to do that. We're not here to talk about Jesus. It's like, well, I can't talk to you either because I want to talk about Jesus. We need to go. And sometimes they might even come to your own doors. That's easy. You mean, Lord, all I have to do is get off my couch and open the door? I can do that. If you're listening online today, if you're listening through the radio, if you have questions regarding faith, please email us at cclv at comcast.net, cclv at comcast.net. You can find out information about our church at cclv.org, cclv.org. This coming Wednesday, we're, we're going through the book of Genesis uh, Genesis 16 and 17, so two chapters a week. I've been able to keep this pace. That's good for me. Uh, El Rohi is the title. It's Hebrew, so we'll learn about that this coming Wednesday, Genesis 16 and 17. Some good stuff there in the book of Genesis. So I look forward to being with you either live here at the church or through the radio ministry or through Facebook Live, and very soon streaming the radio ministry it's already doing it but people will be able to listen to our station wherever they're at throughout the world and so keep our ministry in your prayer i was thinking about this this week we're taking a step into the world wide web 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 what happens with spider webs you ever get into a dark basement a bunch of spider webs you walk into and it's like ah get these things off me I hate that. That's like one of my phobias. Um, as a kid, we had a, it was much like the Lake Villa area. They had the um, cottage cabins, getaway. That was our home growing up. We had one of those getaway things that turned into a three-bedroom ranch house. That was sitting on a dirt crawl space and literally army crawl through the space. And guess who got to crawl through there when plumbing issues got bad. It was me. It was nasty. So the web, we can get entangled in the web. Personally, that can happen. But with our radio station streaming, it means that we are attempting to claim territory for God. And I can say that Satan will not like it. So pray for this fellowship, that the Lord would protect us and give us strength as we take this new venture of faith 
uh, through streaming our radio ministry. Let's go ahead and have the worship team come, and I'll close this out in prayer, and we'll close out in a song of worship. Father, we thank you for your word and for that which it teaches us. Lord, there is so much to learn in your scripture. I pray, Lord, that we would in these last days desire to walk in truth. For those, Lord, who perhaps, whether here or listening on the radio or through our social media or maybe at a later date, Lord, they have questions regarding faith. Lord, if they're here, let them talk to another brother and sister here or myself or Pastor Kevin. Father, I pray that you would uh, be with us, that we would desire to live for you in these last days. And Lord, be with us as we close out in worship. May we always desire to serve you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.